Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK back with us next week. Coming up in 20 minutes, Bill Akins is the Little League umpire who tossed Clay Travis from a recent Little League game, tossed the parent out for what he said uh, behind the scenes of a play. He said GTFO. He, he did. We will uh, we'll have the umpire in studio with us. That's in 20 minutes from now. Hour and 15 minutes from now, in studio, Brandon Wright, NBA vet, joins us as we talk all things NBA Finals uh, and the league in general. Phil Mickelson is back. Uh, according to Mark Slabov of ESPN, he has officially entered and is listed on the participants list for this week's tournament in London for the Live Golf event, which is the first of this Saudi-backed golf uh, organization um, where Mickelson, according to Greg Norman, in a statement, he is... He's returning to golf and going to do it where we haven't heard from him since he initially said he was contemplating doing this and wanted more financial freedom from the PGA. Since then, others have joined this league. Dustin Johnson, Martin Keimer, and others. Kevin Na resigned from the PGA and said, for now, please keep an eye out for, the li- for, for Live Golf. It's an exciting new product. I hope you'll enjoy the buzz it brings to golf. I'm thrilled to begin the next chapter of my career starting next weekend at the inaugural Invitational Series event in London. I hope you'll continue to support me. I was asking Davey during the break, Chad, I said, how do we watch this on Thursday? You'll watch it from their website. They're also going to stream this on YouTube and on Facebook. So again, for all this blood money talk with Phil Mickelson, consider all of the big businesses that are going to air this event as part of this invitational series and ask yourself uh, if your reaction is the same. Are you never visiting YouTube or logging into Facebook again? Because they're also joined up and partners with with this league in some way. Uh, According to the press release, coverage of the event is going to include 60 on-course microphones, including ones worn by the players and their caddies, 50 cameras capturing all of the shots this week and this weekend in London of the 60-player field. So, uh, by the way, I'm glad, uh, Hutton, that you uh, know how to say it because I've been seeing this, and I didn't know if it was live or L-I-V. Uh, I say live. That, that's how well, I... Well, that's uh, you sound right and sure when you say it, so I'm, I'm going to go with what you said. I've just read it in print, and I'm, I, I never knew how to say it, but uh, we'll go with, with live. Um, the blood money angle to this, okay, so... We get oil from Saudi Arabia, right? Sure. I mean, everything is – there's so many things tied to Saudi Arabia. 
I go back to the response to Phil Mickelson with this, and I thought at the time, and I still feel like it almost says more about the tour's relationship to Phil than it does the tour's thoughts on the human rights record of Saudi Arabia. I thought that the, the quick and negative backlash against Phil Mickelson and people talking about, you know, Phil Mickelson's the last one who should be talking about greed and everything else. There were some underlying personal things going on towards Phil Mickelson with some people who spoke out against them. And the great example that you brought up last segment, Hutton, is what was the response when Dustin Johnson signed up to play in it? Yeah. It's but, a lot of people saying, oh, well, the guy likes to make a lot of money and play golf, so this makes sense. It yeah, wasn't he's doing it, but how not dare Dustin Johnson. Anything. Mickelson acknowledged to Shipnook in the book. And he whenever, spoke out against the PGA. He said, look, does Saudi Arabia, do they do this and this? And is it bad? Yes, it's bad. But um, am I going to make a ton of money? Yeah. So I'm going to do it. And by saying that, he was vilified for admitting that. Whereas these other guys are not turning down the money. They're taking the money, but they're just not accompanying that with a statement on the record or off the record, however you want to see it. Yeah, and and that's an important distinction. And not just that they're not saying anything, they're not going all in against the PGA Tour. That was a big part of what Phil did also. It's not just, I'm thinking about doing this, this is a great opportunity, here's well where the PGA Tour has failed me over the years. It struck people as an ingrate to the PGA Tour who provided a lot for Phil Mickelson. Dustin Johnson just quietly signs up and takes the check and goes and plays in the Tour without denigrating the PGA Tour at all, there's a difference there. Um, I'm really curious to see if just time plays a factor here where we've seen this before, Hutton. People just stop caring. People who were outraged in the beginning eventually see other people sign up for it, and the outrage goes away. It's already been lessened with Dustin Johnson. If they get a couple of events under their belt and there's no big issues, how quickly do people just forget about it? And... Are people going to flock to this Facebook page and website in order well, to watch? Who's broadcasting it also? I don't know. I mean, if they're paying that much money for golfers, I wonder who they're paying for the broadcast. I'm not sure. But, I mean, are, I are, mean I'm are going to watch it, right, out of curiosity. Are these advertisers no longer that, are, that pulled from their, you know, the, the sponsors for Dustin Johnson, are they going to pull their sponsorships or the money that they spend to Google? Google, who owns YouTube, uh, to, to no longer appear at the top of their search bar because they're associated with the Saudi-backed golf league? No. I mean, no, of course not. It's all public perception and wrapping paper. That's all this is, and that's all it was in response to Phil Mickelson. And, and case in point is Mickelson's now doing it, and if, you've had a, uh, if you had a poor reaction to Mickelson – the reaction has not been the same to the list of golfers. And keep in mind, these guys did, did all this after Phil was more or less blackballed by um, not, not the Masters. He could have played in the Masters. Um, but you, you wonder what happens if he comes back and plays in the PGA Championship and what the sponsors then choose to do who had already removed themselves, like KPMG and others. Um, again, Dustin Johnson, Martin Keimer, Sergio Garcia, Charles Schwartzel, Back-to-back uh, -back guys who uh, uh, Garcia and Schwartzel who have won the Masters, uh, Graham McDowell who won the U.S. Open, Louis Oosthuizen who's an Open champion. Uh, there are legitimate names other than 
just Phil Mickelson behind this. And Greg Norman at the top of this is the CEO. Um, with, the, with the names involved here, if you're the PGA, how do, you, how do you feel about the fact that, you know what, despite all this backlash and all the control that we've, we've attempted to take over these guys and the fact that you have others, other big-name golfers like McElroy, Tiger Woods, um, Spieth, who have said, I'm staying with the PGA because of what it meant, it's meant to my game, my career, and the talent level and the competition. Oh, and by the way, the sponsors are happy with them there. Um, this still has not been a deterrent to keep them from signing up with this tour, which will, I mean, some of the, the purses here are just unbelievable. $225 million in some cases. Dustin Johnson's getting, what, 125 just to one, sign up and play? 125 is the report, and he makes $11 million in advertising and sponsorship dollars annually through all of his sponsors. So I, I think it's as simple as Dustin Johnson looking at a balance sheet and saying, oh, I'm going to make this much more even if I lose every sponsor, and even if I don't gain any sponsors back, I can make this much more to go play there, and he decided to do it. So it's $25 million for the winner – of any of the seven on this regular season tournament. So it's a total of $255 million. Yeah, and, well, Smith in our YouTube chat says, our president is going to Saudi Arabia to ask for cheaper oil. These guys aren't playing golf for North Korea. There's, there's a difference when it, when it comes to that. Oh, but the reaction a month and a half ago. It was uh, absolutely two, like it was North ago. Korea. You, absolutely. You would have thought that uh, you know, Phil Mickelson uh, should be hung for treason. Right. Uh, when, he, when he said the things that he said. But I just keep going back to it wasn't just – there was something about Phil with it where people that spoke out did not like him. I think a lot of people who, you know, quote-unquote canceled him had something against him. And the fact that he spoke out against the PGA Tour in his comments about this Saudi-backed league – that's different than what we're seeing from others that are just signing well, up and taking the money. I think it's important to note – in the book, Phil Shipnook, uh, the the new bi- the, the biography that's out on Phil Mickelson, and we had uh, uh, Shipnook on the show. He he says in the book, in the last chapter, "Hey, Mickelson called me and said all this, and it's my belief." I'm paraphrasing here. He says, "It's my belief that Phil thought that Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson were going to join him in that league." And since we've had Shipnick on our show, Dustin Johnson's in the league. Of course, they both took a step back from this when it was reported that they were considering joining this league along with Mickelson. They said nothing publicly. They then took a big step back from anything involving this. Uh, DeChambeau released a statement saying he wasn't joining. I believe that's the case right after. And then it was Phil Mickelson on an island with Greg Norman. And since then, you've got 30 other tour professionals, and not just tour pros, but legitimate tournament winners, major tournament winners, uh, PGA champions who are on this list that Mickelson now joins with the announcement that he's going to play in this. Well, and let's go, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the hypocrisy with the NBA, you know, going to Saudi Arabia. Right. That no one's going against that. I mean, I'll go back to, to ESPN airing the Shark documentary. They waited two weeks to air it. About Greg Norman, it wasn't the week of the Masters. I don't know why. It had been the perfect thing to lead up to the Masters with so much focus at Augusta National. Um, but ESPN had no problem airing that and not mentioning one thing about Greg Norman's tie to this league. 
It wasn't even it wasn't mentioned at all in that. So I think we've reached the point now, and maybe Dustin Johnson's representation said it's been long enough. Phil is the one who's the martyr in all this, who had to go into exile and has been excommunicated from the sporting public. But he's been quiet long enough. If you just sign up, we'll announce you're playing in this in this tour or at least in this tournament and move on, and people are going to not have a big reaction to it. Maybe they calculated the response meter and decided it's okay now for you to do this. It's rare to, that that happens so quickly, though, the response meter to go up and down and fluctuate the way it has, uh, at least in regards to this. But uh, this is where it really gets interesting. Mickelson says he intends to play the majors. Of course, he hasn't. He didn't play in the Masters. He didn't play in the PGA Championship. Um, so that would include the British Open uh, would be the next one on the schedule, the Open. And what happens there after we, you know, the United States Open... What happens for the other PGA events where the PGA has said they're going to um, either impose extensive fines or suspensions for certain players? Kevin Na, that's why he announced, and he's a well-respected player on the tour. Yeah, One of, Kev, uh, one of Tiger Woods' uh, top friends on the tour. He announced that he's stepping out and he's resigning as a, a member of the PGA. Uh, will others follow suit here and just follow the money and play in a tour that, you know, I was led to believe initially with Mickelson because no one was attaching their name to it. I was led to believe that this was a tour of guys who um, would, would, would present maybe two days of a four-day tournament of competition for some of the top guys in the world, right? The, you, you have guys that are seat fillers, more or less, and then you have your top three, four players that will be on tour with you. That's not the case based on this list. And the question I would have now is who else follows suit? If you've got Dustin Johnson and Mickelson now, is DeChambeau about to do the same thing? Everyone else that, that hasn't joined up, that has been mentioned in the past, are they about to you know, dip their toe in the water too? Because it's gonna say, they're going to say, okay, BGA Tour, uh, call, call their bluff. Us. Yeah, you're, you're trying to call their bluff. Look, the PGA Tour is going to be just fine if you know, they come back and say, yeah, we're going to suspend the guys that are participating in this tour right now, right? That we're going to do that, and they're not going to play. I, I think the PGA Tour would survive. How many more stars, though, that jump over and play in a tournament or two for this Saudi-backed tour, could they honestly say you're not going to participate in the PGA Tour and not affect their bottom line? Not having Dustin Johnson hurts. Not having Phil Mickelson hurts. Some of these other guys add some impact to your tour, but with all the other stars remaining in the, in the PGA, it's not going to be that big of a factor. But there will come a breaking point where the PGA is going to have to admit we're going to have to share superstars because they're going to go make all this money and we need those majors, right? We need these big tournaments well, the and need them, them play. need them to come and play. Right. And the Masters totally separate of everything, but there's going to be a breaking point for that. And again, uh, after London this week, the tournaments will be uh, 1st of July, played in Portland. End of July, played in New Jersey. Early September, the International in Boston. Chicago will host uh, the, the tournament in mid-September. Then it goes to Bangkok and Jeddah, and it ends in Miami at Doral. Um, and that will be at the end of October on this, on this tour setting. And in... And, 
uh, Davey did a nice job, Chad. He's got us. It's going to be um, Arlo White who's going to be on the play-by-play for the who also is a NBC Premier League broadcaster. Yeah, I've heard. He's going to be uh, calling this. I've heard the name, but uh, not familiar. Probably because I don't watch the primarily Premier. soccer. Yes. Um, and Davey says Tibbet even called a game on Apple TV show Ted Lasso when AFC Richmond played Crystal Palace. Speaking of Ted Lasso, I just read uh, about 10 minutes ago where this will be the final season. This third season will be the final. The writers always had a three-season arc in mind. Speaking of my, the drama with my phone, I just got a random text message from T-Mobile that says, how likely are you to recommend T-Mobile, T-Mobile to a friend on a scale between 0 to 10? That, that answer is not going to be one that you like <laughs> as of today. <laughs> um, uh, last week, we... Hit the story, and if you are on Outkick.com, if you follow us on the Outkick Network, you know Clay got ejected, tossed from a a Little League baseball game watching his son play. Uh, We have the umpire in studio with us coming up. Can't wait for Bill Aikens to join us. This is the content that you come to Outkick 360 to acquire, and we've got it for you. Uh, A a man who did what many wish they could do. Many. Threw Clay Travis uh, out. Banished him from a ballpark. Uh, Bill Aikens in studio with us next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Ask it, ye shall receive. At least that's the motto for Chad Withrow here. Last week, Chad, you put out a, uh, a tweet looking for the umpire who tossed Clay Travis from the Little League game for saying, you got to be effing kidding me, uh, on a call that a Little League umpire had made. This was one of several things in a, a list of, of things that Clay went through uh, in the YouTube well, let me, let me, video that got a ton of hits. Let, let me take it from there, Hutton. Because and I, I, you found him. You, you found well, him quickly. Well, I was, I was uh, by the way, Ryan Albanese, who works with us at Outkick, I believe is out of the country right now, and he just popped into YouTube and said, I'm joining for the umpire interview right now to watch. Um, look, I was shocked when this happened, and over a million people watched Clay's rant about the Little League umpire that ejected him from the game and all the issues he had with him. He called this gentleman the worst umpire in the history of umpiring, <laughs> called him a loser, uh, called him a number of things, and I'm thinking – Someone has to know this umpire, right? I mean, Nashville is not that big of a place. We know a lot of people. They certainly know Clay. And then I started thinking, there's not video of this anywhere. Like, I really want the video of what Clay said and getting ejected and what actually happened and everything else. So I just decided to go to the Twitter app and put out the call for the umpire to join us on the show. And Bill Akins answered the bell. And Bill Akins is in studio with us right now. I talked to Bill on the phone. Bill, you're a delightful human. I enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> uh, it was terrific chatting with you. Thank you for being man enough and being a big enough man to come in studio and uh, face the music and, and answer for what happened in this game. 
Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, I just I did want a chance to come and tell my side of the story. So when you asked, I, I decided I would come on here and do that. Well, let's get your side of the story on this because, again, all we've heard, I, I wasn't there, Hutton wasn't there, you were there, Clay Travis was there. We've heard Clay Travis's over eight-minute rant about everything that happened in this Little League game. I'm going to go point by point of things that Clay had an issue with over the course of this game. The first one was an odd one that I thought he would even bring into it because we've all had to go to the bathroom before, uh, and it's rare, it's weird to crush someone over that. But he claims, Bill, that you left the game early and caused a 15-minute delay because you went to the bathroom. Is this correct? Absolutely not. Um, I did have to go to the bathroom, yes. So in between games, we typically get about 10 minutes. Clay said 30 the games are scheduled 15 minutes apart. We usually take 10. However, I'd actually been having a few stomach issues the day prior as well as that day. And just like anyone else would do when they're at work, they had to use the bathroom. Uh, typically, I would run in and out. This time, there were two gentlemen in the stall, I believe, on their cell phones, probably looking at OutKick. <laughs> and um, eventually, I had to say, hey, guys, I really need to get back to this game. Could you hurry it up? So they did. I did my thing, and I went, ran back out to the field. We stopped the clock. You know, we didn't cheat anyone any time. These are timed games. Uh, we didn't cheat anyone any time. We stopped the clock. We started it again. I apologize for the inconvenience to the others. And uh, you're umpiring a number of games on the on this on a weekend day, right? How many games did you have this day? Six games that day. Six games that day. How many years have you been an umpire, Bill? I've been umpiring baseball since I was 13 years old, so 20 years. 20 years uh, as an umpire. Okay. A veteran. So uh, the issue number one has been clarified by Bill Akins. Issue number two was the fact that you made a kid who had a uh, cross necklace either take the necklace off or hide it, and Clay claims that this is not something that normally happens at this level. How do you respond? So first of all, I did not know that it was a cross necklace for anyone who thought I was making a religious statement. You're not anti-Christian is <laughs> Correct. what you're saying right Correct. now. Okay, that's um, good. We need that on the record. They absolutely would be the opposite. But um, So typically, I actually don't m usually make the kids take off jewelry for the main reason of we sell it at the games. So I decided it is in the rule book. You're not supposed to wear jewelry for safety purposes. I've never seen a kid get injured that way. Um, I used to always make them take it off. You know, typically I wouldn't stop the game. We would say, hey, when you get back in the dugout, take that necklace off, take that, you know, whatever, earrings, things like that. Um, in this particular case, we had already told both coaches, hey, make sure we got all the jewelry off. We had some issues the game before. Uh, when I saw the kid, I, I was going, hey, okay, we've already talked about it. we got to take the jewelry off. Uh, my partner, he's definitely a little more strict when it comes to jewelry, so he had already mentioned it to me as well. So I wanted to make sure we were following through with that. Um, we are within the rules. However, typically I would not do that. Typically you wouldn't do it, but you, you did it this game. So correct. Clay could be correct that normally this does not happen. Correct. I would say saying? the majority of umpires, especially at this level, are not going to make you take off your jewelry. But your partner had already mentioned it to you, so you felt like you needed. You were like this. You weren't even the warning. You were the second. Correct. Policeman here. And, and we had already talked about the game before and to both coaches, so it was just like, hey, today we're not doing jewelry. Okay, no jewelry. Um, also, no slinging the bat. This is a common rule. Uh, I coach five- and six-year-old girls softball, my daughter's team, 
And typically this comes with a warning at that age. I've never seen anyone called out because of it, but umpires have come to me as I'm pitching to them saying, hey, next time I'm going to call her out if she throws the bat that hard up against the fence. You called two batters out without a warning in this game. Is that correct? That is incorrect. Um, I warned the team. So when the first kid, the kid that originally was out, he actually slung the bat into the catcher. And I warned, like I told the coach, hey, coach, that's a team warning for slinging the bat. Anyone else is going to be an out. Some umpires, typically this is not in, this isn't a high school federation rule. Um, the rule in the high school federation typically only states that if the bat interferes with the play. So if you were to throw it into the catcher as he's trying to put out the runner at first base, something like that, um, that would be an out. But for league purposes, especially little league, things like that, we typically have league rules that are there for safety. So he threw the bat into the catcher. I gave the team a warning. The next pitch, he fouls the ball off and throws the bat into the fence at about 100 miles an hour. On a foul ball. On a foul ball. But if that's your kid behind the plate and he throws it on the side of his neck, then you're going to come after the umpire who didn't say anything about them slinging the bat. So that's when you rung them up. You called them out at that point. Did Did the coach acknowledge the warning and say, yes, I'll talk to the team? The coach actually yelled at the kid. I say yelled. Uh, spoke aggressively to the child and said, he literally just gave you a warning. Okay. <laughs> so uh, no problems. We had no problems on the field that day of, from any of the coaches. And uh, no problems up until this point with uh, Clay's coach, correct? No, sir. Okay, none at all. Nope. All right, let's get to the moment in question. The moment that you told Clay Travis to get out of the ballpark, that he was ejected. This moment came when Clay's son was at bat and you called batter inter- interference. This is the point of, at least online, social media-wise, Bill, that has a lot of different varying viewpoints. I've heard from the umpire community that outlines what batter interference is and says this is absolutely something that's called at that level. I've heard from others that say probably want to give the kid a warning on that and not call them out in a moment like this. Clay's argument has consistently been if it affected the play, as in the ball was overthrown to third, and a runner scored, I could understand it being called. But to call someone out on a 3-0 pitch to end the inning second and third, he finds completely inexcusable. So take us through this moment, if you will, and exactly what happened. Okay, so first I'd like to start by saying, typically when I make a call like this, the first thing I get is, they don't call that in the majors, right? So, yeah, that's because Yadier Molina is going to move so fast that the batter doesn't have time to get in his way. That's typically what I say. Uh, we don't see this on TV. So at this level, you could almost call this play every single time. Um, I typically try to only call it when it affects the play and affects the game. Clay mentioned that the umpire shouldn't interject themselves into the game, right? And that's to me, that's the opposite. That's what the umpire is there to do right, is to make sure that the game is played correctly and played fairly between both teams, regardless of if the kids know the rule, if the coaches know the rule, it doesn't matter. I've had coaches tell me, well, the kid didn't know, and I say, well, are we only playing by the rules that the kids know today, or are we playing by the rules of baseball? So the batter, you know, he, he, he's able to – It's a pretty good line, by the way. <laughs> I, 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 I like that line back to the coach or the parent. Yeah, I have to give credit to my partner on that one as well. So he, he came up with that, and now we use it typically on a weekly basis. Um, but, yeah, it's a great line, and it's true, though, right? It's, we can't only go by the rules that the kids know or even that the coaches know. But on this particular play, 
Um, well, actually, let me back up. Batter's interference, a lot of – it's kind of like the tie goes to the runner, similar rule where everybody thinks they know the rule, right? You hear it all the time. That's his box. That's his box. And that's not the rule. So, And I actually brought the rule with me so I wouldn't misquote it. Um, you know, and so it says, you know, batter in, the interference with the catcher fielding or throwing by. B says stepping out of the batter's box. So that's where the common misconception is. If the batter steps out of the box and interferes with the play in any way, it's quick. It's an out. However, the next line says making any other movement, including follow-through interference, which hinders actions at home play or the catcher's attempt to play on a runner. So that's where when you're in the box, you could take a step backwards and remain in the box. And if you interfere with that throw, you can still be deemed out for batter's interference. It's within my judgment. You can step out of the box and not interfere with the play. You can stay in the box. And if a, if a guy's running from third base to home plate and you don't move out of the way and you interfere with that play at the plate, you can be deemed out. There's a lot of variance. At this level, it is insane how many different things these kids do that are incorrect or can interfere with the play. My biggest thing is this. Clay says that his kid has been hitting well. It's a 2-0 count. He's got a chance to put the ball in play. Even a good hitter at the Major League Baseball level is considered to be an all-star if they go 3-for-10. So there was a 70% chance that his kid was not going to put the ball in play or not you know, score a run. However... I will say, though, I was a good Little League hitter, and I never batted below, like, 450. Fair enough. But, yeah, they're a little bit different between the majors and Little League, but continue. But so, you know, the the chances are, okay, even if his kid is going to put the ball in play, I have to be fair to both teams here. So the team that's attempting to get the kid out at third doesn't have a fair chance to make that play because his kid steps out of the box in direct path of the catcher's throw, and the catcher attempts to throw it over his head. And then the play, the ball gets down there. It's not an overthrown ball. But the reason that, to me, there wasn't a fair attempt to make a play at third base to get the kid out, he was out of the batter's box. I had a black and white batter's interference, so I called him out. And you had heard nothing, uh, nothing from Clay at this point, did not know that he was there. You're you're aware of Clay. You're an OutKick fan. Uh, You know this show. But up until that point, you had not heard his voice or seen him, is that correct? Correct. Okay, so what was the first thing that you heard from Clay? And keep it clean for radio, but you can tell us basically what he said. Well, so honestly, what I thought I remembered him saying was, that is effing ridiculous. He said that he said, you got to be effing kidding me. The main thing I took away from that was I heard a parent in the stands drop an F-bomb. And so you turned... And saw Clay Travis. <laughs> is this correct? Yeah, I turned. What was your immediate reaction when you turned? Did you know it was clearly it was, him? You knew it was his voice right away when you saw his face. I didn't recognize his voice from behind me. I didn't. Um, I turned, and he was literally the only gentleman standing there behind me. Um, you know, in that vicinity. Gentleman, a very operative term here based on what we're describing in this behavior. Yeah, so he was the only guy standing there. Um, I knew there wasn't any, you know, there's a few ladies around, but obviously I heard a man's voice. I turned around and I said, you know, hey, you're gone. And then I realized it was Clay. I looked at him and I did say, hey, look, you can talk about me on your radio show if you want, but you're not going to talk like that out here in front of these kids. Do you regret saying that at all? Because... That's the part, I'll be completely honest, Bill. When I heard that part from Clay, my immediate thought was, oh, this guy hates Clay because he hates Clay's politics or something he said years ago about some team that he likes or whatever. 
Um, but that's not the case here. So do you regret that? So I, I'm definitely I'm, – I've told you on the phone, I'm a Clay Travis fan, you know, despite what, you know, a lot of people say. I think he has great takes on not just sports but on politics and on different things. I tend to agree with him on a lot. And even the stuff I don't agree with, I like that he's not afraid to say how he feels. I mean, even in this situation, you know, calling me out. Like, that's why I wanted to come on and defend myself, but I don't hate him for what he does. I think he's great at what he does, obviously. Um, and so, no, it definitely was not a preconceived, I don't like Clay Travis. But when I saw him, and I think what made me say this was I saw him, and I deal with this on a week-in and week-out basis of parents and coaches, and they, they get out there and they think they can say and treat umpires however they want to. And when I saw Clay Travis, I just thought, of course. Clay Travis comes out here and he thinks that he has the right to cuss at the umpire because he's Clay Travis. Do I regret saying it as an umpire? Yes. It, I, I should have conducted myself more professionally. However, I think it just kind of came out because of how much that I deal with this on a week-to-week basis. Bill Akins is the umpire who tossed Clay Travis from the Little League game uh, a little over a week ago. Bill, how many parents have you thrown out of games before? I could probably count on one hand or two hands parents I've thrown out. Typically, I don't let the parents – I don't even really – I've been doing this for so long, the parents don't get to me. If he would have said, that's terrible, that's ridiculous, he could have been yelling for right. hours. He's not even close to the most irate parent I deal with on a weekly basis. He was calm, honestly. But by, by hearing what you heard, you immediately turn around toss him. What, what was the reaction from Clay at that point? Because that's the part of the story we don't have. We know you, you toss him. You said, hey, talk about this on your show. From there, I, I only know the story as the video picks up with him recounting what happened. What happened? Did he immediately just leave? Were there any other problems with parents? So, uh, how, how did the rest of the game go? So he just said, you know, well, that was ridiculous. And I said, you know, I don't remember if I said anything after that or not. Um, my UIC came over. He was there at the park. Um, you know, he asked me what happened. I told him, I said, hey, this guy's cussing. We got to get him out of here. Um, he was not combative at all. You know, my boss even, you know, told him, hey, normally you got to leave the park. We're not going to play the rule that you just just go enough, far enough down where you're not seen, you're not heard, and you'll be fine. Um, we didn't hear anything else at him from the rest of the game. His the coach, the team, uh, the coach for the team actually told me, I agree. You know, he needs to go because it's just it's not okay. If your kids on that team, you know, you don't want to hear that typically either. You know, if my right. son's out there, he's three and a half. If he hears that, he's gonna look at me and say, "Daddy, that's effing. You gotta be effing kidding me." And I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking, thanks. No, right. Yeah, I kids, think kids kids quickly mimic uh, what they hear at a certain age. The vast majority of parents will will certainly agree with that. And I think uh, when we hear from Clay, he'll say that it was something that he did, you know, subconsciously that he just blurted it out. Um, well, I, that's I, I want to follow up on that because that's a key part of the story. The league director, whoever runs the park, did not make him leave. He went to the left field line, I think Clay said, and watched the rest of the game. Do you feel undermined at all when that happens, Bill? Not typically, no. I mean, and I'm used to that. With this, within this organization, we, we try to give people second, third chances. I mean, if they would have won that game, he'd have probably been welcome to sit in the bleachers again as long as we didn't hear anything else. That's fair enough. And, and he's welcome back, right? Correct, yeah. Um, did you throw anyone out this past weekend? I did not. <laughs> so, did, how, how many did, this season, I guess, how many times has it happened? Uh, parents, that's the first. Uh, coaches, maybe two or three. You know. Bill Aikens, our guest. Um, so, over a million people watched his reaction and, and his account of this story. 
Chad and I are two of those people. I'm assuming you're a third. Uh, how did you, did someone text you the link? Did you seek this out knowing that, that Clay would be discussing it on his show and he did so on Outkick the show and that posted on YouTube? How did you watch this for the first time? Uh, so my father-in-law, who's a big Clay Travis fan, he, uh, he sent me the video. He sent me the link to Twitter and said, hey, have you seen this? Of course, I did immediately. Like when I got home that night, I called him and I said, you're never going to guess who I threw out today at, at a baseball game. And he said, who? I said, Clay Travis. You know, so I knew he would find that entertaining, but I didn't think much of it. We talked a little bit about it, um, you know, me and some of the other umpires. And one guy was like, well, you know, he's going to talk about this. And I thought, well, we'll see. It was it was a holiday weekend. So, honestly, I did think that he may not talk about it. I didn't know if it was going to be as big a deal to him. Clearly, did, I was wrong. Did you consider not talking also? You, you You remained remarkably silent for a while until I put the call out there to come on the show. Uh, did you ever consider just – Brushing this under the rug and never speaking of it again? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at first, to me, it just wasn't that big a deal. It was just another parent, you know, that got a little too excited about something that happened to their kid, said the wrong thing, you know, we addressed it appropriately, and on to the next weekend. Well, you have uh, put yourself now, I mean, it, it, probably not a big deal to you at the time, but you were on the front line, Bill, of the umpire versus entitled parents or parent debate yes. in youth sports. So uh, this has become... A very big deal. Thank you for, for answering everything for us today. Hutton, I think he answered everything very honestly. No I, I've got no big issues with yeah. his account. Well, same here. And I, I mentioned earlier, Bill, I, I've worked in the restaurant business for a month, and I was also a Little League umpire for a full summer. And there was two jobs I would not want back uh, w- whatsoever. <laughs> um, you've been doing this for quite some time, though. So, And you're right. There is an ability to tune out the crowd. Um, I would always get into it with the coaches who didn't like my strike zone. And I would just say, tell your kids to swing the bat because I want to put the ball in play instead of you know walk everyone around and score runs and speed up this game a little bit. Uh, but I didn't like the, the politics that went on during the game between the two dugouts. And sometimes the parents were getting involved, sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, but you, you guys, I know you guys are getting paid, but it's, it's far too little for the grief that you have to put up with. Yeah, you know, a lot of people... If I was just doing it for the money, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, I've I seen a lot of comments that said most Little League umpires do it to stay around a game that they love, um, and that could not be more true. I love baseball. I was a decent player growing up, but I've been able to become a pretty good umpire. You know, I, I don't work at the high school level at this point, mainly because I don't want to work during the week. I typically just want to work on the weekends, and, you know, my son's three and a half, so – Pretty soon, I'm hoping to get into the coaching carousel myself, and I'll have less time to umpire. But, you know, I'm kind of glad to be able to bring this to light because I do feel like the entitlement that a lot of these parents and stuff are bringing to the game of baseball, you know, to to say that their kid is the next Derek Jeter and that the only way that this team has – has lost today was because the umpire made a bad call, not the 13 errors that they made in the field and things like that. You know, it's just it gets to a point where we're not going to have any more umpires. Yeah. My partner's son is 17 years old, and he's already wanted to stop umpiring because he doesn't want to deal with the parents on a weekly basis. And when I was young, there was a great way to make some extra money. Now kids can do all kinds of stuff. So why do they want to go out there and be berated by these parents because they called a ball a little too low at the knees? You know. I'm, I'm with you, Bill. Bill Akins is the Little League umpire who tossed Clay Travis. Coming up in studio with Bill Akins, we have Clay Travis. 
That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've been through the entire story from Bill Akins, the umpire who tossed Clay Travis as a parent from the Little League game, watching his son... Clay Travis joins us in studio, sitting next to umpire Bill Akins on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Clay, you are listening to all of this. Welcome in. Glad to have you inside the 6th and Peabody studio, and I'm glad you can finally meet Bill Akins, the umpire in person, for now the second time. All right, so first of all, well, this is second of all, but I'm going to start with it. Um, He's got incredible taste in, uh, (laughs) in which media figures he listens to. Uh, I've always been a big Bill fan. Um, I think that's clear, you know, my whole history. Uh, but uh, in, in all seriousness, we agree basically on all of the, the requisite fact pattern here, right? Uh, I should not have cursed uh, as, uh, as basically everybody and, and why I didn't fight my ejection uh, because I knew he was right. I shouldn't have said the, uh, the F-bomb. For better or worse, that's the way I react to calls that I disagree with. So I still disagree with the call, uh, that one. Um, the jewelry explanation, the bathroom exclama- explanation, uh, and the bat tossings, we can, you know, uh, uh, I don't think those are, but the essence of the, I disagree with the call, the judgment decision he made. He does have the right to make that call. Uh, that's a wide open uh, umpire discretion decision. Uh, but for any level of sport, uh, I react exactly as I reacted behind home plate. Hadn't said a word up to that point. Uh, if, uh, if Regardless of what else had happened, that was the bottom of the third inning, I think. I then watched the rest of the game uh, from the... <laughs> <laughs> from the left field, uh, the left field fence line, uh, by myself out there. Uh, which, which, by uh, the way, I'm surprised Bill was not more upset with the league director that undermined him. That just said, "No, just go watch down here." Well, I think he had no objection to it because you were calm for the most part. Well, I mean, I didn't get in. I mean, again, I don't disagree with. Fight the, it. I don't disagree with the decision that he made when I used an f bomb. Now, I'm actually curious if I had said what, and I don't remember the exact phrase, but if I had said something like. Oh, that's absolutely ridiculous, and I didn't use the F-bomb. Do I get tossed then, or was it totally the F-bomb? Absolutely just the F-bomb. Just the F-bomb. I mean, I agree. I shouldn't have said the F-bomb. I understand from his perspective that that's a bright line that you can't cross. Uh, and so uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with the decision to, uh, to toss me. I disagree with the decision on the third baseline. I don't think we're ever going to uh, meet minds on that one. Uh, but my reaction to that call was uh, was the was the wrong call. Clay, this is something I don't know that we've talked about yet or that I've heard. Did your son end up winning or losing the game? His team. They lost the game. Okay. Um, Bill, is this going? Well, I think about he. As well I as think he said. I, by the way, sorry that I would have been able to come back if they had won the game and watched the second or third. And by the way, some people say like, why did you even mention this? And I think that's a fair question. Um, we've done this for years. Like Withrow, and you probably remember, and Hutton, you probably remember this. We had a dispute in co-ed kickball. Oh yeah, back in the day. 
Oh, yes. And we took – that was a monster dispute with the official at Coed. The you, you, you told, you told the guy that if you were a South American soccer official, you'd be assassinated for that call. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's, right. That's the line you used. I mean, like, you, but you were not tossed. It, 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 it was, was an argument happening. Well, I think because he knew he was wrong. I mean, he was – they would have assassinated him in a South American country for that call. <laughs> the difference call. here, Bill and, thinks he's right. Yeah, well, I respect the fact that he thinks he's right. I wouldn't – I wouldn't. I would have less respect for him if he came in and he said, you know what, I totally blew that call. <laughs> like, you, got, you should stick to his guns. I stick to mine. But – uh, larger uh, perspective here. We've talked about this before on the shows. Like if I had had a traditional sports show, I would have opened up phone lines and let everybody call in uh, like we did a lot of times on Outkick the Coverage. Um, and for better or worse, the reason why we have the audience that we do, and you might even agree with this, I think you said it, is because I say exactly what I think. Now, sometimes it's for the worse. <laughs> uh, it's some people's perspective. My wife's perspective, for instance, sometimes. She's like, why in the world did you say that today on the radio? But I don't really have much of a filter. So, uh, And I think the response to this, I mean, over a million people have consumed content. Probably a million people end up watching this, too. There's a great deal of, uh, of interest. But I shouldn't have cursed. Uh, Again, I want to reiterate that I think you have phenomenal taste in your media figures. Sounds like you have excellent political opinions as well. <laughs> and so if we cross paths again, I will continue to, uh, to do my best not to curse ever again in a Little League game. We gave peace a chance, Hutton, we and did. it worked it out. Did, it did work. It didn't Bill turn Aikens. into Maury Povich or, uh, or Jerry Springer. All thanks to, to Bill Aikens. Thank you, Thank you for being here. I appreciate thanks, it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Very cool dude. Uh, and Clay Travis with the handshake now. As we wrap There's up the money shot. number two. The handshake. Let's stick it around for the headlines, which includes Phil Mickelson on the Live Tour. He's back, and it starts this Thursday. Details next on Outkick 360.